So welcome to the Tech Savvy Professor Podcast to faculty who love to teach and love to make it a part of their work. Uh, I'd like to introduce myself first, Dr. Eric Perry. I am currently a faculty member for Southern New Hampshire University uh, and teach in, in multiple formats as a counselor educator. Uh, and my co-host is Dr. Marty Gensius. Yeah, I'm Marty, and uh, I work at Kent State University and uh, teach in the, the counseling program, but teach a variety of courses, but sort of have this love for technology that started when I first uh, became an academic, well, even before I came an academic. So um, I'm glad to be doing this podcast. It's always something I thought I wanted to do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's been a, a passion of mine as well for a long time. Uh, I've always been, you know, into the the tech end of things, and I think teaching has allowed me to embrace a lot of that. Um, you know, and, and also in my personal life, I, I, I just am a huge fan of of anything and everything that comes out. And what's interesting, uh, you know, we've talked about several times that you know more of a PC guy um, and have been for some time. And you are at, at more of a uh, Mac user, right? Yeah, um, um, yeah, I uh, have been a Mac user since about 2005, and prior to that, I was all PC. Um, so I did the switch back then, and now I've pretty much do everything Mac, but I've had to switch back and do some PC work recently because there's some programs that only run best uh, for my research on PC. So I, I went out and bought a Surface uh, a while ago and about a year ago and have been been using both platforms. But the the Mac platform is uh, one that I pick up when I walk out of the door. Right. And then, I mean, I think it'll provide us with a really nice, uh, you know, kind of back and forth because I see our users primarily as sitting in one of those two camps, you know, and, and talking about our, our typical listener, uh, I, I think anyone who's interested in, in adopting any kind of technology for any kind of need would really find some use here. Um, the topics that we plan to talk about include everything from just day-to-day uh, task management, which is, is kind of a topic for us today, uh, and then you know the, the more detailed and specific topics related to serving as a counselor, educator, or professor. Yeah, we're going to try and keep the show uh, short because. Uh, we could go on hours and hours and talking about technology, but uh, for each show, but uh, maybe this first show will be a little bit longer because we're, we're introducing, but uh, we spoke about keeping the show around 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And the goal of the show is just to kind of add one app or one tip or one app from the Mac side, one app from the PC side, or tips about using technology and how to integrate it into your work. Um, and do that for each show. So uh, we're not, uh, we're hoping, I think, that this could be a quick show to listen to on the way to work or on the way home from work if people wanted to do that. Um, so not long, deep discussions. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really great point to make, too. This is really something quick uh, and easy that you can uh, grab on your way to work with a cup of coffee and, and maybe help improve your day. <laughs> So, Eric, why don't you introduce a little bit more about yourself? Uh, I'm interested in how did you get started with technology um, and some of your work experiences and and what are you doing now in tech? Sure. I I have a background as an instructional designer and curriculum developer. Uh, So I've worked with a lot of uh, learning management systems and course development for traditional hybrid and online coursework. 
uh, really started, I, I was a classroom trainer for background investigators. Uh, and we decided that we were going to move the training at least partially online. This was while I was pursuing my master's as a, as a counseling student. Um, as I moved into my professional identity and, and moved into being a counselor, that that technology experience really carried with me. Uh, so, you know, currently I, I serve as the uh, social media coordinator and uh, webmaster for ACES. Uh, as well as teaching primarily online and hybrid coursework through Southern New Hampshire University. I still do quite a bit of instructional design and curriculum development as well, uh, which involves, you know, some some pretty heavy technology use. So uh, what about you, Marty? I had a, a very strange background um, in developing technology because uh, I think my beginnings were back in 1976, 1977. So, you know, that part during uh, 2001 where Hal, the massive computer, starts to talk about um, where he was born and where he started. And he says, I was born at the University of Illinois Computer Educational Research Lab. Well, part of my work as an undergraduate was to go over to Searle, uh, where Hal was born, and work on the large card printers, because um, we were running cards through a, a large uh, computer for to run a Fortran program on doing data analysis. So I go back to the large mainframes. Um, and, and then after that, kind of jumped into... Uh, technology when I was working in radio for a while and we had a person who was responsible for getting all the bills out on one part of the day, one day of the month. And I think she was a little too hungover. She said she had the flu. Um, but I, my guess is that knowing her history, um, she was just a little too ripe that day to come to work. Uh, so they said, well, you've got a master's degree. You can go figure out the PC. Um, so I wound up figuring out the billing stuff and I've, I've, I've fell in love with computers as a way to kind of work my mind logically. And since then, you know, I came into the counseling profession and counselor education profession and started to look for connections with technology and with, uh, computing, uh, technology and counseling. And uh, started doing things like introducing listservs. I had been doing some listserv in my private, uh, you know, in personal work. I was interested in listservs and what were like IRC chats. And um, I forget what they called them. They were the old sort of asynchronous newsrooms uh, type of things. And so uh, started that with the profession. And, you know, sort of once you do one new thing, um, then folks start asking you what the next thing is. And so my career has been around uh, going from one thing to one new technology to another. So that include website development, which I mainly did by, um, by backwards engineering other people's websites um, with HTML code. Um, doing an online journal. I worked with another faculty member and we did one of the first online journals. Uh, podcasts, of course, with Counselor Audio Source back in 2006, and then doing some virtual reality stuff in Second Life uh, in terms of training in the counseling uh, counseling area. And right now, my passion is really uh, beginning about what we're talking today, which is about productivity and um, how you can use technology to improve productivity. 
Right. Which I think is great. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of the conversation has been around, uh, you know, in faculty circles lately that the expectations on faculty members have, have just steadily increased. We're involved in so much more, particularly those pursuing tenure as well. The, those requirements are just stacking on top of each other. And, and, you know, we know there's some tools that can really be helpful in managing that process. So I think it's a great topic to start off with this week. Well, you know, I like to, one of the things that I, I, I was doing a lot of PC work up until 2005 and then got tired. That was when we were dealing with a brass of a uh, whole bunch of, bunch of viruses. And, you know, it was very clunky trying to deal with them. I know PCs have gotten much better at that. Um, but I was turning on my machine and waiting for an hour while the virus checker was updating everything. And, and that was frustrating for me. Um, and there was a piece of podcasting that was done using that you can only do with a Mac. And so that's when I switched over. But what I like about it now for me is, and I don't know this as well on the PC side, so this might be on the PC side, so I, I forgive it if I'm, I'm sounding like a fanboy. But um, what I really like is everything's integrated uh, for me. So I can find an app that works on my watch, that works on my phone, that works on my tablet, and also works on my PC. And everything gets synced. Um, so some of the things I'll talk about are about that ecosystem where if I change it on my phone, um, it will change on my watch and change on whatever, uh, whatever computer or computing device I'm using. And I, and I really cherish that because I don't want to have to think about which list it's on and where to find it. So. Sure. And I, I think you have to be more intentional on the PC side. There's definitely more available. Uh, Windows is, is definitely playing nicer now with Android than they have in the past. So there, there's a lot that we can look at that, you know, is intended for either your device or your, you know, your PC or mobile device, or that's really integrates well with other systems. Uh, you know, there are even cross-platform apps that will let you use both PC and Mac. Uh, but you have to be really intentional about how you select those, particularly on the PC side. Yeah, I think in my effort to try and uh, rein in my productivity and uh, not forget stuff and get things on, done on time and, and not trying to, you know, to avoid feeling the guilt of productivity, I think I have purchased every to-do app that is, you know, a to-do list that is out there. A new one comes up and it's like, I don't know, it's like uh, nectar to me. It's, uh, I just want to run and get it, you know, and I get it and it's sort of like, yeah, okay, I got another one. It's still, it, there's a core issue with how I think about my workflow that I need to address. Um, the app is not going to do it for me. But I'm curious, which, which uh, ones do you have for suggestion today? So, and, and I should probably mention too, since you mentioned it uh, right at the jump, uh, I'm always looking for the free thing. I, I always check my open sources first, uh, particularly because, you know, I have a couple of kids at home and, you know, I, I want a solution that's simple and free, but you do often lose features that way. Uh, so it can be really challenging to find apps that are going to encompass the things you really want and need without paying that additional upcharge. The positive about task management apps in this case is they're really affordable. Um, the, the one that I, I really like the most 
at this point is the G-Tasks to-do list app. Particularly for those functions that you mentioned earlier, it integrates really well with uh, the Google Suite. So if, if you're someone who uses those Google tools a lot, the G-Tasks uh, app itself is going to look really familiar to you. Uh, it, it does work across platforms. Uh, seems to work really well with the Android interface if you're using an Android phone, Android watch. Um, also plays really nicely with, with Windows systems. Uh, and it's got those features that, that you really want in terms of task management without the premium cost, right? So you're able to prioritize your tasks, time your tasks, uh, share those and collaborate. Uh, Google's done a really good job at that lately. Uh, the, my one kind of criticism, I guess you would say, of the app is that it, it's it's a Google app, right? So if if you're not really familiar with that layout and that interface, it can feel a little bit clunky getting started. Uh, one that's a little bit more user friendly and still has those features, I, th I think, is is the AnyDo app. Uh, for anybody who's who's tried that out, it is really pretty. Uh, the interface is really easy to use, and it, it's it's actually a really encouraging app. Uh, it, it sends you kind of friendly reminders and, and will even tell you it believes in you from time to time. Uh, aside from that, it, it really has those features that, that you want in creating and prioritizing your apps and has a color scheme that helps you code those particular tasks in a way that's really meaningful. Uh, there's also a few graphic options for you to look at your tasks in different chart formats, which I think is really, really nice. Um, so those are really my, my big ones at this point. Yeah, you know, um, it sends you uh, encouraging statements and reminds you. That's like the perfect partner, you know. You should marry it, not actually use the app. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. It's really encouraging. It says, we believe in you and you can complete this task. And uh, I, I think you get a, a welcome email from the team that's that's all of them kind of smiling and, and uh, <laughs> being really encouraging for you. So I, I don't mind the pick-me-up at all. Now, uh, is AnyDo cross-platform? Do you know? It is, yeah. And, and I've tested it on, on both Windows and Android. Um, I have not tested it on the Mac side, um, but it does, it does promote being cross-platform. Uh, it works really well. It looks good both on, on PC, on the desktop app that you can use as well as the uh, mobile app. So it is, uh, you know, across uh, both mobile and desktop interfaces that you can use. Uh, it syncs well, um, and you can actually use it with TickTick. If anybody's used TickTick before, it integrates with that as well. You know, I um, when you were talking about how free is good, um, I understand that for a lot of listeners. I also think that um, you've got to support these developers. So if you're using any do, I don't know, I, I have it. I'm sure it's cost is probably $2.99 at the most. If it's not a free app, um, I, I'll have to, you know, I have to look into that from the Mac end. Well, it's, it's $2.99 a month for the, the premium features. Uh, and it gives you more in terms of themes. Uh, it'll, it'll give you location-based reminders. Um, and it will help you colorize your tasks a little bit better. Right. So there's definitely some features there for a really nominal cost, right? A little less than a Happy Meal uh, a month. 
you can get all those premium features you're looking for. As again, I appreciate the ability to support developers. Many of them have gone to this subscription model. I kind of like the pay it once and you've got it model uh, versus the subscription model there that, you know, after a year, you wind up paying more than you anticipated as part of the premium features if you wanted the premium features. However, a lot of these things you can get by without the premium features. I, I think I will pay for apps generally, but I definitely will pay for apps when I get nag ads and things like that that pop up. Um, in the middle of my work with the app that's reminding me to go pick up a Yahtzee app or something like that. Um, those things drive me nuts. So it's like, I'll pay it just to not be nagged, uh, especially, especially if it's a one, uh, a one-off, you know? Right. Yeah. Just leave me alone. And I think any dude does well with that. That's really a, a minimalist approach to, to ads, even in the free version. I, I really liked Wonderlist, and, and I know a lot of people like that as well. It's a pretty popular app. Uh, in terms of cost, it's it's fairly nominal. Uh, I did have some problems in testing and, and noticed that it, it hadn't been patched or updated since April. Uh, and when something like that happens, particularly with how quickly Android will update platforms, uh, you know, I had problems both on uh, my Galaxy Tab and and my uh, my Samsung S7, my cell phone. So, you know, it, it, one of the things I, I look at pretty regularly is to see how often the app is updated, both the free version and the paid version. Um, you know, in this case, AnyDo is updated pretty regularly and patched pretty regularly. Um, it's something that you don't typically think to look for. But when you go into the App Store, uh, particularly in Google Play, you can see uh, when the last patch date was, uh, when the last update was. And, and it's really important to take a look at those because then you know how actively those developers are working on something. Yeah, I um, used Wonderlist um, when I, uh, oh, it's been maybe a couple of years. Um, when I had cross-platform people that I was working with on a team and we were trying to create lists that we could share, um, it was easy to get to. Um, you could get it on your, on your mobile device. You could get it on, uh, on the web. Um, and it seemed to work fairly well. And, but I think we were mainly dealing with PC Mac, um, environments that were what, what I was trying to cross over. A couple of the apps that I, that I want to speak to, uh, today. Are well, there's there's a whole slew of them from the Mac end. You can go into if you want to drive the Lamborghini of uh, to do lists, um, then look at OmniFocus, um, and it costs about a lot. A, a Lamborghini too. Um, I think the full pro version of it is ninety nine dollars uh, as an app. Um, and then you have uh, desktop versions and you have uh, mobile versions and such that you need to need to buy. But, you know, f functionally, what I need is I need a list of things that I need to remember to do. And when I'm walking around and somebody says you need to do this, I need to be able to get it on that list quickly. So uh, I'm looking for multiple devices sometimes multiple platforms um, and the need to have uh, it be able to use it on not only my Surface Pro, but also on my uh, on my MacBook. So and on my phone and also on my watch, if I need to look at what my list is on my watch. 
So I, I kind of need that functionality. It needs to be quick. It needs to be a list that I can can go to and things that I can add to it quickly. So if it has Siri integration, great. Um, so when Siri decides to work for me and recognizes my voice. Um, but, uh, you know, just the, the, the quickness of having the list so it's that that task is on the list for me to take care of at some point. Um, so if we go down from the Lamborghini and we go to the Cadillac, I think probably the best known and at least the best reviewed to-do list is, uh, and task manager, I should call it that, is uh, Things. Um, and Things has a beautiful interface. Um, the... Uh, cost for the, you have different costs for different uh, platforms or different versions. Um, so for your um, Mac desktop or laptop, there, there is a $50 charge for that app. Um, the uh, iPad version of uh, the app is $20 and the phone version of the app is $10. So you're looking at an investment um, in that ecosystem, but it does some really interesting things in terms of setting up things for today. If you just want to do and have t task lists for today. Also, you can, of course, schedule them to show up in future days um, on your list. You can, uh, there are some dream ideas that I have that I, I sort into someday or a list of anytime you can get to it. You can also create projects which have been very helpful because you can share your project lists with other people via email, via messenger and, and other platforms that you have integrated with, with things. Um, and it has, of course, the availability of uh, you can use Siri shortcuts to get to get objects on your things list if you want to. But typically, I'm just typing it in either on my mobile device or in my laptop as as it comes up. The paid version. Well, these are all paid versions, but you can also uh, you can also embed documents. So if I have you know review this article for a journal review, I can take a copy of that article and embed it directly in and uh, have it through the to-do list so I don't have to, through things, so I don't have to uh, run and find it somewhere in my email or, or other ways that I've gotten gotten it. So it's a pretty robust, but it's not, I mean, with the, with the OmniFocus, with the Lamborghini version, you've got a complete task manager and team manager sort of color-coded all sorts of stuff. This is a much uh, simpler simpler, uh, a, a simpler system, but a robust system. And then for one that is truly cross-platform, the third that I would mention is Todoist. It's an app that has a free version, um, allows for syncing. There is a difference between the free version and the premium version. The premium version, whereas with Things, Things comes as you pay that price and you've got that app. Um, there's no subscription. It's yours. It syncs automatically. They have a free cloud service for you to sync your material with. Um, with Todoist, if you want to use that app, 
again, very nice, uh, a very nice app has a lot of robustness, a little different in the sense that it has these kind of motivational things. It's you set how many tasks do you want to shoot for each day? And uh, so if you, you know, if you said, I have three things I want to get to do today, even though I have 10 things on my list, once you get the three done, you get points and you become uh, gurus, uh, task gurus, and they have different names and different levels. So there's that sort of internal motivation that goes on with things. You can do this into uh, both things and also Todoist. You can schedule items and you can also create projects uh, in Todoist. Todoist is also cross-platform. So you can find it on Windows. You can find it on Android. Um, I'm not sure it's it's in all versions uh, of desktop and uh, mobile computing for those different devices, for those different platforms. but it is really a nice little cross-platform app that you should look at. Um, probably similar from the way you describe it, Eric, as AnyDo. Yeah, AnyDo. Yeah, AnyDo, yeah. So I think it, it might be very similar to that. Um, there's a, you know, a variety of backgrounds and things that you can do with it. And uh, I'm trying to look at my productivity level. I'm at the professional productivity level, according to my my uh, Todoist karma. Impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a ways to go. <laughs> I got a ways to go. Well, I, I one thing I like about Todoist, and, and I, I did take a look at it. Uh, it is much more project based, and there is that that earning system to help you kind of motivate. Uh, it does kick you those messages every once in a while to help encourage you. Uh, and it boasts some pretty big names, uh, Apple, Starbucks, Google, MIT. Uh, you can go on their website and actually look at the different uh, organizations who used Todoist. Uh, so it, and it's really regularly updated. I think the last release was on November 5th or 6th and, and us recording this now um, it was only about a week ago. So it's, it's really regularly updated and patched. Uh, but it, it does have that very project focus as well, right? So there's, there's unlike Todoist, uh, un, I'm sorry, unlike AnyDo, uh, Todoist is very focused on the, the, the project orientation, right? There's a lot more focus on that as opposed, opposed to individual tasks, I guess. Yeah, and the difficulty in that for me is you have to have other people on board. So if I'm working on a research project and we're going to use an app like uh, the ones that that allow for project based uh, methods, uh, it's great if the rest of your team's on board with it, too, because that allows them to work. But if all you need is that checklist that says this is what I have to get done and I can add things to it and I can take things off, you you don't necessarily need to uh, to to you don't need the Lamborghini. You don't need the Cadillac. Um, you might just need the VW Bug. Right, right. Like I said, still a great app with great features. Uh, and I, I think affordable enough. Every now and then they'll run a special too. You can get it for $20 a year, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, We're going to put all these links to the apps um, on the PodTalk net website. So you can find um, the links to these apps instead of having to do search or play this back and, and figure out which ones we were talking about. So they'll be available for you to, um, to be able to search and scan for yourself. 
Well, I, I think that's all we have for now. Uh, so in order for you to get involved, if you have a tech question, uh, you want to try and figure out how to do something with technology or just have an idea to share, you can email us at thepodtalknetwork at gmail.com. Or you can actually call and leave us a message and we'll play your recording on the podcast and try and get an answer for you. That number is 937-756-5140. So that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing to the Tech Savvy Professor podcast. Uh, you can find the podcast by searching iTunes for the Tech Savvy Professor. Look for us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music, as well as on Twitter at pod underscore network. As a reminder, we're part of the Pod Talk Network, and you can find all the shows and links and information at the podtalk.net website, along with links to other great shows, including Grad School Deconstructed and the Faculty Meeting. Uh, from myself and my co-host, thanks for listening, and you're getting savvier by the minute.